Welcome. We are so glad that you are here today. Uh, I want to start by just asking you to do a favor. If you could uh, pray for me today, my voice is pretty well shot, and um, I've, I've caught something. And so if you're the one who gave this to me, you can have it back, all right? I just want to clarify that. I do not want this any longer. But if you could pray for me, I really would appreciate it. Um, some of you may pray that actually my voice goes out sooner than later. Uh, who said amen? I don't know who said that. That, that was not nice. Um, but uh, it's so good to, good to see you all here today. It is basketball season in Indiana, right? Can I just say, can we give a shout out to Oak Hill, Class 2 State Champs? Yeah. Alexander, that was for you. And so uh, it's basketball season, and um, one of the things they have in basketball these days is uh, the, the scoreboard lights up. The scoreboard lights up when, the, when time expires. And what officials can do is they can go and they can look at a shot, they can uh, look at the replay of a shot, and they can determine whether or not the shot was released in time to count. And um, I was watching YouTube videos. There's, there's more than one time when there has been a, a last-second shot. And um, it goes in, and the team uh, just screams because they have won at the buzzer. And people run on the court, and there's this mass hysteria, this mass celebration, only to discover, as the replay is uh, examined, that it, it got off too late. The shot is waved off, and in that moment, the celebration that is taking place uh, suddenly becomes lots of long faces on the sideline. That sort of feels like uh, what has taken place uh, in this, these two scenarios that we're going to talk about today. Earlier in the, in, the, in the service, we celebrated Palm Sunday. It is Palm Sunday. But as you know, we're in the middle of this teaching series where we, have, where we started Palm Sunday back at the beginning of March, and we've expanded the menu, you might say, and we've been looking at these iconic statements that take place between Palm Sunday and Easter. And so, while it is Palm Sunday, and while when we think about that day, we think about the celebration and Jesus riding in, and, and people throwing palm branches and their coats down, and, and there is this just amounts of celebration like crazy. And then let's fast forward to where we are today. Jesus is on the cross and he makes these, he makes this statement. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some translations translated, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? This is a, a very uh, stark contrast from Palm Sunday, this day where celebration is taking place. And, and we have fast forward nearly just four or five days, and we have this moment where Jesus on the cross is just crying out to God, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the passage of Scripture that um, I actually thought I knew a lot about. I, I've heard lots of sermons talking about this, this passage of Scripture from, from since I was a kid. But as I begin to study it, I begin to try to understand it, I begin to realize that there's lots of different um, understandings and, and ideas about this passage of Scripture. One is, is that um, this is a theological statement. 
that Jesus is making a theological statement of, of how God sees him uh, on the cross, the, the bearer of the sins of the world, that in this moment, Jesus is forsaken because in that moment, God had to turn his back on him because he carried the weight of the world of sin. The other idea is that um, in this moment, Jesus is just crying out from the depths of his heart that maybe God had not really forsaken him at all, but his perception of what, because he carried the sins of the world on his shoulders, the perception that he began to understand was that God had forsaken him. Not that God had ever turned his back on him at all. It was very interesting to, to dive into that. It really reminded me a lot of, of modern art. I think we have a picture. <clears throat> so when you saw this picture, how many of you saw the sun first? A few of you. How many of you saw the, the tree first? A few. How many couldn't see either because of all the little dots? You see, when you look at this picture, uh, it's... You really can't look at it and say it's about the sun. You really can't look at it and say it's, it's about the tree. You really can't look at it and say it's about the dots, because really, it's about all of it, right? And so when we look at Scripture over and over and over again, and we try to, to really press it into one idea... We miss the point because the scripture has been inspired by God. And sometimes the answer is yes. That what God is saying here when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is both this deep feeling from, from Jesus that he feels alone. And at the same time, there is this reality that in this moment, he is carrying the weight of sin on his shoulders. And he is separated from God in that moment. And so this morning, I want to unpack it just for a few moments. One of the things that we do understand is that Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is from the depths of his heart and his emotion. It, it's really impossible to separate it as just some theological statement. Jesus it really feels the, the weight of the, the pain of the crucifixion. Crucifixions were brutal executions. Jesus comes to this point, having been betrayed by his friends. They have abandoned him. They have, been walk, they have walked away. Jesus comes to this point, having been lied about, having been mocked. And now ultimately sentenced to death. And so when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There is this raw emotion that is part of this statement. And, and to top that, in this moment, he does feel this weight of loneliness. Because he has separated in some capacity from the Father. And he feels that. And loneliness is a, is a very uh, difficult thing. We were not created to be lonely. We were created in the image of a triune God, of the Trinity. And we were made for community. And so in this moment, Jesus feels this separation. As I was working through... Processing. It reminded me that Jesus feels 
our pain. That we do not serve a God that is immune to our pain. But we serve a God who has experienced what we have experienced. He has, we, we all, we all uh, experience loneliness. We all have been betrayed. We've all been rejected. We all have had people walk away from us over and over and over again. And so when, when we hear Jesus say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We can identify it. We can identify because we know those dark moments of our life when it seems like the whole world is collapsing around us, when we have lost someone that we love, when, when we have lost a job, whatever it is, in those moments, we can feel what Jesus feels when we say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The good news is, the good news is, is that we now know that he can come along beside us and walk with us because he has been there as well. One of my favorite um, verses of Scripture comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. It says this, This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We serve a God who's not immune to our suffering. And not only that, he uses our suffering. He takes our suffering and he turns it and he speaks into it. It's what C.S. Lewis called the megaphone to rouse a deaf world in the problem of pain. Can I I just tell you this morning, no matter what suffering you have been through, no matter what you may be on the cusp of experiencing, no matter how lonely or how dark your world may feel at this moment, I want to offer the fact that Jesus Christ has experienced that. And he longs to come along beside you to be your comfort in the midst of that. Because there are moments when if we were honest, we would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's something else about this statement that I want to press in a little bit this morning, and that is Jesus felt the separation that sin does cause us from God. Um, one of the high ideas or one of the main ideas in, in Scripture, we see it in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is this idea that in some way uh, Jesus becomes our sacrifice, that he bears our sins on the cross, that, that he dies for, for us as an atonement. And the prophet Isaiah says uh, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Listen, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Uh, The writer Peter in the New Testament says, He took our sins in his body when he died on the cross, so that we, being dead to sin, can live for righteousness. As the scripture says, through his wounds, We are healed. And so in this moment, Jesus 
experiences the weight of the sins of the world on his, on his shoulders. And as a result, he feels this separation from the Father in a way for the first time he had never experienced before. He knew what that rich communion, that, that rich uh, presence of God was like. And he felt this, this, this massive chasm in this moment. I am convinced, as human beings, we do not even understand the depth of the separation that takes place within our lives because of the sin of which we are um, all so familiar with. We don't even begin to understand or grasp the, the amount of separation that is a part of our life when, when sin has its way in us. A few weeks ago, um, we had family skate night out at Idlewild. I just want you to know I skated. And, um, and I'm just going to brag on myself just for a moment. I didn't fall down one time, which is good because at my age, if I fall down, it's a whole lot harder to get back up. But there's something about skates that I find very interesting. When, when you put them on, um, the floor seems to be doing weird things, right? Like, like when you put your skates on, it, it takes a while to, to adjust to them. And, and after a while, you, you, you adjust and, and you skate. And then when you take them off, the world does that weird thing again. And now the floor seems weird again. I wonder if sometimes we fail to understand the chasm of the lack of God's presence in our life because of sin, because we have simply adjusted. We have simply adjusted to what we now think is is the new normal. So, for those of us who in the room who may have never accepted Jesus Christ, even sought his forgiveness, um, we live our life with, with certain things that are displeasing to God, and we don't even realize uh, what it would be like to experience God's presence. For some of us who, who may have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, and, and we allow uh, things to creep back in, maybe it's a, it's a habit, or maybe it's a, an addiction, Maybe it's, a, it's an attitude. And we allow it to creep back in, and, and it begins to fog our ability to perceive and understand God's presence within our lives. And it's like the skates. We simply just get used to the new norm. As a lead pastor, I, I have a lots of opportunities to have conversations with people. And I cannot tell you the, the conversations I've had with people who have allowed certain things into their lives. Or, or there are certain things that they know they're supposed to be doing that God has spoken to them very clearly about and they have walked in disobedience to it. And so many times I've had these conversations and they wonder why their spiritual life seems just to be spinning out. And as we press in a little bit, we discover that there are things in their life that they know are displeasing to God. There are things in their life that they know God is asking them to do that they have not walked in obedience to. And, 
And they don't even realize the presence of God that they are missing because they have simply got used to the new norm. I, reminds me of this. I, uh, just another couple of images to paint it. Um, I love listening to earbuds, uh, listen to music when I'm working. Uh, usually, uh, usually someone will say something to me and I'll hear them. Sometimes, though, somebody will say something to me and I don't even know they've been talking. Because the, the music in my ears, the earbuds have just have drowned it out what the other person was saying. Usually that's not on purpose. Every once in a while, maybe. I don't know. Or if any of you have driven for any length of time, you know what it's like to be driving along. I remember this happened to us. We were, I was coming back from out west one day, one, one year, and got into this serious, serious fog. And it disorients us. You really can't even tell where you're going. And the sin in our life will disorient us, and we will not even realize we are missing the presence of God. On the flip side, I believe, and I, I, before you today, I promise you, as we sang about this morning, that because of, of Jesus taking the, the, the sins of the world and dying in our behalf, we have the opportunity and the possibility to live free from those sins that will drag us down. I cannot tell you also the number of people I have had conversation with who um, have experienced this freedom and and the presence of God has opened up in their life, and they experience something totally different because they have discovered what it means to truly be in relationship with God. Jesus, in this moment, cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in this moment, he feels the weight of sin, and he knows the separation that it has brought. What I want to offer you today is this, this hope that you can experience something different because of what Jesus did on the cross. I want to unpack one more thing. And that is um, when Jesus makes this statement, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is actually quoting the first line in Psalm 22. And, 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 you know, in Jesus' day, the Psalms weren't all numbered. Jesus was not able to say, by the way, I'm getting ready to, to quote Psalm 22 for everyone. The way that Psalms were identified, they were identified by their opening line. And so when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is opening up the entire uh, mind of those people around him to this understanding of what Psalms 22 has to say. If you read Psalms 22, it actually reads like the playbook of Jesus' crucifixion. Verse 7 and 8 says, All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Verse 17 and verse 18 says, Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes amongst them and cast lots for my garment. This is a play-by-play 
of Jesus' crucifixion. And so when he, when he makes this statement, the people around him now become very, very aware of this psalm. So I decided I'd go to the psalm and I would just begin to check it out. And so I, I read Psalm 22 multiple times, and there is this movement that takes place in Psalm 22. It is this movement between the psalmist crying out to God and this declaration of praise. There is this movement between the, the psalmist in raw emotion asking God, why has he forsaken him, to this movement to where later on it says the poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. There is this movement that takes place. It is the same movement in your life that God offers you. It is this movement uh, in, in either case, this movement from those moments when you have been alone, when you have been disappointed, and God says, if you seek me, you'll find me. It's this movement, if you have had, if you've allowed sin in your life, or you've never experienced the hope of Jesus Christ, there's this movement to where God says, there's hope. And that's, what I offer you today is that hope. That hope that because of what Jesus did on the cross, we know, we know that, that our suffering is, um, is not uncommon to him, that he, he understands. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, we also have the hope that we can experience the freedom. Because he was willing to die on the cross for our sins. Because he was willing to, to allow himself to be separated from the Father, to carry the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders. We have the hope that forgiveness is ours. That is